Hey everybody, today we have Elodie Kubowitz, uh, founder of Causality, uh, a company leading the way in fidgetals, the fusion of physical and digital goods. Elod, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Matt. Glad to be here. So let's just jump right in. For people not familiar with Causality, uh, maybe tell us a little more about the company, how you got involved uh, and created the company, and uh, you know what you're what you're doing. It's pretty significant. Yeah, sure. So uh, Causality was founded around uh, one year ago, um, towards the start of 2022. And it was in stealth pretty much while we were building for uh, for a rather long time. At the uh, high level, uh, if we're to describe it, basically it's um, a SaaS that functions as a middleware for connecting uh physical goods to digital environments. Uh, at this specific juncture, physical goods that have NFC tags in them, that's the digital interface. But this is the pipeline, right, between the two, between a physical object and um, a digital space, which can include anything from a website to a game engine, an SDK, even a smart contract uh, on blockchain, um, anything that can make an API call, basically. Awesome. And so basically for people, for sort of the laypersons out there, the idea is this is allowing us to take physical objects through an NFC, uh, I guess like a code, right? Like a scanner basically. And you can, you can basically digitize real world objects, right? Sort of, sort of. So uh, an NFC tag for the uninitiated is a rather small chip. Uh, it comes in various formats these days, various models, various kinds, but it's extremely thin, unintrusive, um, there are sticker versions. It's also machine washable in most cases. Uh, they last oh, for like a decade. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you put it in clothes, right? Very important. Um, but basically it functions in um, a number of different ways. Primarily, uh, you have a URI code aspect of it. That's kind of like uh, an URL or a hyperlink that you can include in there, which leads you to various content. But what's extremely interesting about it, and this is the part that we use more, is that it also has a specific serial number that's encoded uh, by the manufacturer at the uh, facilities. And that in essence creates or turns a physical object into uh, a unique physical object, not so dissimilar from an NFT, right? So NFC tags turn physical goods into physical NFTs, if you want to think of it that way. And um, I think as we, as we discuss more, we'll dive into sort of some of the many applications you can use once you digitize an object, once you have a physical and a digital, digital uh, corresponding right. objects. But there's interesting precedent, right, for this, uh, this dynamic. We've seen it. We were talking offline originally about uh, the Nintendo Amiibos. We were talking about, obviously, the extraordinary success of Artifact and things like that. Um, maybe could you speak to that a little bit, just what, what market opportunity you saw? And, and I think we spoke a little bit as well about a future where we see almost every object probably at some form having a digital equivalent, or at least quite a few. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this is a good opportunity if just briefly to, uh, dive into the history of this technology for a little bit. So, um, just to make sure that everybody, uh, who is listening is on the same page, NFC tech, uh, NFC stands for near field communications. That's the same kind of technology that you use when you're paying, for example, with Apple pay, J just to be clear, like that's the tech that we're talking about. It's, um, it's, uh, an antenna based technology where you have to be very, very close to the chip itself or to the, uh, you know, the device or whatever, um, in order for it to activate. It's not like Bluetooth, for example, where you could be like 30 feet away. Um, or Wi-Fi where you could be a hundred feet away and then it still functions. You have to be like really within an inch in order to, uh, to use this technology. Cool. And so you were saying that basically there's some interesting historical precedents that we could look at. Right. So 
NFC as a technology is not um, new per se, right? This has actually existed for uh, for quite some time and uh, at least a few decades. And you have various uh, uh, industries who have experimented with this in interesting ways, um, even consumer oriented ways. Now, I think one of the most and by the way, just, you know, as an aside, like, uh, you know, so that people understand the, the general macro side of things, like the demand for NFC tags, if I'm not mistaken, is like 15 or 16 percent year over year growth. And it's like a huge, huge wow. industry. Yeah. Everything that has to do with NFC technology. I mean, that's why you have companies that are, you know, they specialize only in producing uh, NFC tags. Um, and, you know, you have various applications for it. But um, the application that I'd like to talk about uh, is actually derives from the gaming industry. So in 2011, you had the birth of what came to be known as the toys to life niche of the gaming industry. Um, and I think if I remember my history correctly, it was actually Activision that started this with uh, their Skylanders series. And then eventually uh, Disney launched Disney Infinity and Nintendo had the Nintendo Amiibo. And basically these were physical action figures, okay, that would be sold separately. And um, the experience would come with like um, this play pad that you could connect to your console, which would act as a giant NFC reader. And the figurines, the actual toys, had NFC chips in them. Now, when you place them on the uh, the reader, this kind of like pad, and you know, each one was themed in like a different way, then it would give you extra features, extra characters, extra power ups and stuff in the actual digital games. So that was like the initial uh, uh, attempt at this was in 2011. That was what that was 12 years ago already, right? And even that was considered very new at the time. So I think that the uh, NFC tech is far older than that, right? But Still, it wasn't very ubiquitous and not many people knew about it. So it was very uh, magical for something to function that way, right? You just like put it on this pad and uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, uh, you had some sort of uh, in-game response. Uh, that experience of this cross-physical digital um, phenomenon, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. was extremely, extremely successful. It was so visceral for, uh, you know, for toy collectors, for gamers, for everybody, that that niche alone brought in, I think it was seven or eight billion dollars over the course of five years. It, it was literally one of the most successful niches of the video game industry to date. That's amazing. Um, and that's way yeah. before people were even saying the word digital didn't even exist, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, 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 and that was like, that was real fidgetal, right? So a lot of what's happening with fidgetal today is just basically kind of like a gimmicky replacement for e-commerce. You have like an NFT and then you could use it to claim, um, you know, a physical or you have a physical and then it comes with a QR code where you claim an NFT and, and it could be tokenized or not tokenized, right? Like I said, um, you have, you know, wider mainstream industries who have been experimenting with this for a while, but really the Toys to Life niche, what was so special about it was just the very... Um, again, the, the very visceral experiential way that they went about it, which, as they say, hit different for the players, right? It wasn't about the commerce aspect or the trading aspect or something. It was about, you know, that, that you produced some sort of physical cause and you got a digital effect, if you want to think about it. Um, not so dissimilar from uh, the evolution of what we're trying to uh, um, to do. But yes, that was right. That was more than a decade ago. Now. What's changed since then is that 
their application in the gaming industry was an extremely rudimentary form of this type of, um, if we shall uh, call it a fidgetal experience. Back then, you rarely had, I mean, like smartphones were just becoming a very, you know, uh, powerful thing in terms of market segmentation. And um, the NFC technology in the phones themselves, I think in 2011, maybe like 5% of mobile smartphones had NFC readers in them. Today, it's like a monstrous 75 to 80%. And it's the majority of the new phones that are coming off the assembly line. So really, what we're experiencing is this transition where we're all walking around with the NFC readers inside our pockets. That's well, the just NFCs to speak to. are, I mean, that's Apple Pay, right? That's effectively what we're using, right? Google well, Pay, that's et cetera. the technology, et cetera, exactly. right? So, so, so you have that antenna, the, the reader, inside your phone. We don't need those play pads anymore that the gaming industry used to use, which were clunky. And, you know, nobody's going to carry around a separate device in their pocket, right? Just waiting <laughs> yeah. to scan an NFC tag. You can start but selling these big, huge extra devices, <laughs> these causality Exactly, decks. exactly. Yeah. That's a little bit of what's uh, led us to uh, the singularity kind of that we'll um, discuss that we're leading into, which, um, you know, which which allows or, or, or uh, makes the reality right for a technology like causality to exist. It's that you know, this technology ha has become ubiquitous since then. And that's really what's um, what's important. Yeah, no, and I, th I think it's a great point. So basically, we have all the dots are ready to be connected. They just kind of have yet to be fused together. All the technology is already here. We're not talking about 10, 20 years off. It's all ready to go. Um, that brings me to, I guess, this question. So we were talking about Amiibos and, and these early uh, renditions of this tech. Where are we moving now? What what do you see as the future? Like, where are the right digital counterparts? What examples could we explore? So, I mean, the examples, I mean, are really infinite. At least that's what we're trying to achieve. But um, maybe this is a good opportunity to touch upon where the physical aspect of things are going, right? So if we, again, compare the... NFC technology, like the chips themselves, the stickers, for instance, uh, 10 years ago to what they are today. Today, they are, I mean, and this is just um, a natural evolution of any kind of technology, right? They're far cheaper. They're far more accessible. They're easier to get. You can order them by the bundles off Amazon or go to Radio Shack or, you know, I don't think Radio Shack exists anymore. Never mind. That's buy or something. Yeah. Look around um, at your local Radio Shack. <laughs> Although I feel like I see one once in a while for some bizarre oh, yeah? reason. Like they Maybe still exist mirage, in like, man. I, no, I, I, I could swear I see them once in a while. Are you, anyway, are you also seeing blockbusters everywhere you go? You should talk to somebody <laughs> about that. <laughs> I think there might be like one or two novelty ones in the world still. Uh, There's yeah. RadioShack.com. I'm checking right now, but that's a separate... <laughs> says the shack is back interesting anyway oh really wow interesting development uh, <laughs> yes we've, we've come on to something here yes to anyway, continue on that one yeah mm -hmm. but yes so not only do we have now the readers but we also have the um um the chips themselves and and the tags and the stickers which are very very um cheap now think about where we're going in terms of the human experience right with everything that's physical and digital we already spend um, an enormous amount of time in the digital space, if you want to call it that. And that could include anything that involves a screen, right? Um, so either browsing the web on our mobile phone or desktop or gaming or doing any, you know, of a number of things. And when we're not worth thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. That's why avatars, for instance, 
have become so important because avatars are an extension, a digital extension of our physical self, in a sense. And uh, this says something about the current reality and the reality of future generations and what uh, present and future generations will want. And what they want is to be more physically connected to the digital space. Now, part of that, when you think about it, if you want uh, um, to suspend disbelief for a moment when you're playing a game or when you're really diving into what will eventually become the uh, metaverse with a capital M, then right. a lot of that also has to do not only with transitioning yourself into this digital plane or pretending that you're in there, but maybe also your stuff, right? Um, and that's really, we think, where things are going. Um, when the technology uh, to make a physical object digitally interfaceable, right, with a digital plane is so cheap, ubiquitous, easily accessible, and the technology to re read it, you know, to, to access that, uh, that transition, that um, to, to cross that divide is already in all of our pockets and will continue to be moving forward. There really isn't a reason, assuming that the cost is negligible enough and it will only lead to becoming more negligible, not to make something digitally interfaceable. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah, I, think I about think it, you have, you have a physical object, right? You can choose to have a physical object that can be digitally interfaced or cannot be digitally interfaced for more or less the same price. You'll choose one that has that extra ability, right? Even if you don't know what you want to do with it yet. I think that's where things are going, that really the demand for NFC tags is going to exceed uh, far beyond what it currently is, because that's just, like I said, that's just the current reality that we're living in, where the digital plane is so uh, exceptionally important to us. No, I think it's 100% uh, correct. And I think we're only now seeing the beginning sides. We're seeing it through gaming and whatnot. But it is true. We're having these sort of parallel universes where we have our digital self, all of our goods, objects, et cetera, and then we have the real world. And if it's a very negligible cost and a very easy transition, it would seem hard to conceive that people wouldn't want to be able to have both when you can have both, quite, quite simply put. Yeah. Actually, you know, if you think about it, um, a similar argument is oftentimes made about the use of blockchain um, in the video game industry in general. So I'm of the school of thought that says that when it comes to your digital assets, I don't mean cryptocurrency, I mean like virtual assets like game items specifically. Mm -hmm. If you can have a game item for the exact same price that uh, a centralized authority or a centralized operator is in complete control of or that you're in control of, and there's no difference, right, in terms of like the you know, to, to you as the end user, like if you can have more control over your goods through this technology, wouldn't you want added value if you can have it at no additional effort? Absolutely. And it's um, going to give you that true ownership, right? You're not kind of uh, hypothetically ownership. We're always having to log in and hoping that the system doesn't go down. You actually have uh, that proof via blockchain, which is what I think, it, to me, that's the most exciting part of blockchain. And I think uh, I'm less... I don't know which coins are going to go up or down on a day-to-day -day basis. Everyone's always playing the coin guessing game. But to me, it's it's the proof of ownership. That's the big thing here that we're seeing. Yeah, but just to bring us back full circle so that we don't veer down that rabbit hole. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, 10 the, hours the, later the, on the crypto. More... <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. then again, Solana. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, right. right. Yeah. Uh, the moral of that story is that if you can have added value and 
it's just there, right? It's like choose added value or not added value. You'll choose added value. What reason is there not to be? So that's kind of like the way that we're thinking about physical stuff. It's like if you could have a physical item that also has digital value or a physical item without digital value. Um, Maybe I, I want to dive a little bit into you and causality as, as this middleware. But maybe just <laughs> before we jump into that, let's just quickly so people can understand what are some of the potential values that can happen when they're able to have a digital counterpart for an object? What could those look like? Yeah, I'm sure so, there's endless options. We, you and I see endless options, but maybe just to well, cite a few. Well, I mean, let's think about it together, right? So, um, so, so what does causality, uh, practically speaking, enable for physical objects? Causality lets you recognize um, an NFC tagged physical using our, um, our proprietary API. So you can do in a few lines of code, you can recognize the exact uh, tag, you can, you know, recognize certain information about it, and then you can uh, have digital effects, utility responses based on what the person is physically scanning. Now let's think about all the ways that you can use a physical object in a digital way. And that really is infinite, right? So you can use it as a digital access token. Access to what? Well, you can access special content. You can access special um, discounts. You can access uh, uh, parts in worlds or games. You can use it to um, acquire certain special items that are dropped into your account. You can use it as a membership token. Um, maybe you can also, right, if we want to touch upon this idea of, um, of digital twinning that I think you mentioned uh, very briefly before. Mm -hmm. So right now there's a lot of digital twinning going on. For uh, everybody who's listening, digital twinning is usually when you have a, um, a physical object and then you also have its digital equivalent, which is usually like an exact uh, or as close as can be a, a digital replica. Tommy Hilfiger has an entire line of clothes that are based solely around this concept. I forget um, what the product line is called, but it's exactly that, like their whole uh, philosophy was, we're gonna have a line of clothes where when you buy the physical item like this physical tracksuit for example you get the digital one which you could use for example with your ready player me avatar or um in decentraland so that's the idea of the digital twinning that you have the two together but with causality you can create uh this kind of like more uh visceral experience right like borderline asmr type stuff where in order to equip the digital one you have to have the physical one Think about that for a second, how that's different. The difference between a physical and a digital item that are disconnected from one another, right? And it's true right. that you used one to get the other, but the second that you have both, they are essentially disconnected from each other. They can veer off over time. You can just have exactly. the exactly. code yeah, and then you, you can, can have the separate object. Who knows what happens? The other, vice versa, precisely right. so. Right. Or a continuous, meaningful link for the end user uh between the two of them that derives from requirement right so that in order to use one you need the other so that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to um to produce here we're trying to uh amongst everything else also change the paradigm change the the way that we're thinking about digital right to think about it a little differently about how we can create um sensations for end users and create connections that um that they care about and that you know, that, that means something to them over a long period of time. And now the causality platform serves as a on-ramp effectively, right? So you're blockchain agnostic 
people can connect against uh, across different platforms, uh, different APIs. It's it's very um, uh, open in that sense. Maybe can we dive a little bit into that technical side? Yeah. So um, let's talk about the various things that causality as a platform brings to the table. Okay. So first of all, as a SaaS, right, we're bringing the infrastructure. We want to open up the access to producing these digital experiences. So in lay vernacular, this is a tool for developers and for uh, digital creators. Now, the reason that this is important, because much like any SaaS, right, it spares you the effort of producing your own infrastructure. If you are a giant multinational corporation with billions of dollars, this may not have much significance to you. You may want to produce your own thing in-house. However, let me remind you that, you know, the entire indie industry, right? The entire indie niche of gaming or really anything else uh, is built of that kind of like middle part of the bell curve of people who don't have, you know, they have funding, but they don't have like insane amounts of funding to try and keep up with absolutely everything. So mm. this takes that um, kind of like uh, uh, rationale um, off the table in the sense that like you don't have to think about it two or three hundred different times about whether it's, you know, for a low monthly cost or pay per use, you could just use this infrastructure. And um, it's really easy to connect in just like a few API calls. It's also customizable per user, right? Uh, so not the end user, I'm talking now about the user of the actual API. They can upload like their own uh, graphics to the connection experience. And, you know, um, it's not entirely white labeled, but it is to some extent. Uh, kind of like if you think about it, um, having your own page for your game in Steam or an Epic Game Store. Right. Yeah. And in that sense, I mean, you're dismissing a little bit some of the really mega, mega corporations. But if if you become the standard, I mean, I would imagine that's a convenience, too, that people can just always yeah. know, hey, causality has it all. I'm just going to go through that. So, Dude, you know, as, as as they do right with Steam and with Epic Game Store, I mean, uh, uh, many of these game studios uh, continue to also launch either physical versions, you know, in retail stores and also on their private websites, right? You can purchase directly. But in addition to and not instead of, they also circulate uh, via uh, Steam and Epic. Another reason for that is because, you know, um, there's that element of discovery, which is also something that we're bringing to the table. So in terms of building an ecosystem, it's not just about creating one-off experiences. We want people to create experiences for each other's physical stuff and vice versa. So a feature that I can mention, which we haven't launched yet, you asked me about, you know, what's been going on off yeah. camera, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to drop some alpha here on this, uh, on this call, on this podcast. Oh, nice, thank you. Is we have um, a feature coming out called Portal. And Portal is kind of like our digital experience marketplace, if you want to call it that. Not really a marketplace exactly. That's the closest word, I guess, that we have for it because um, it's not uh, commercial, um, but it's a place for discovery. This is where you can, for instance, scan a physical item that you already have and discover all of the other experiences built by other people that it functions with. Think about how cool that is. So you come to find or use one experience, you're opening the causality app or you know browsing portal on the causality website, and then you're discovering a hundred different other experiences that either match your interests or match the physical object that you own that you were trying to scan in the first place. Isn't that something interesting, right? Now we're really like uh, creating a catalyst for this whole uh, digital economy, if you will, uh, economy of experiences is what I mean. 
Well, I mean, it really does create a true uh, immersive and, and kind of a gamification of sorts of the things you own. So you, you almost don't get to fully unlock the value of your object until you finally take it and scan it and then go digital with it. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know it could do this, this, and this, or lead me to these experiences. Yeah. And you never know, you could potentially never know 100% what it will or will not continue giving you, right? I mean, nothing prevents uh, a company or anyone that wants to create digital experiences for that physical object to continue doing so forever. That gives you a reason to hold on to it or if you're trying to sell it, I don't know, on StockX or something like that, to ask for triple the price, because now there's some sort of um, X factor here. There's an unknown, uh, if you want to call it a speculative unknown, <clears throat> as to what digital utility this can have in the future. In addition to that, right, you also have other people who could be building cool stuff for this, kind of like a mod community, right, in gaming. You can have loads and loads of people who are just creating fun, interesting experiences for the same physical objects it could open something yeah open up something really cool what are the logistics just curious of uh, of the resale component how would that how does that work with causality in terms of the physical objects in terms of the physical objects and then corresponding uh digital experiences for the new owner when you've per when you've purchased uh something uh, in an aftermarket right so um one of the main differences between Causality and many of the other companies currently doing digital stuff with um, NFC tags is that we're focusing on being the software pipeline, right? So our focus is on software development, not our agency functionality, right? Uh, this company is not about building one-off experiences for select clients, uh, though we do, you know, partake in that, right? That's part of the, the business model. But it is mostly about creating this um, this software pipeline, this uh, this middleware. So the reason I say that is because the solution for that would have to be on the client side, right? So whoever is creating the digital experiences for the physical objects, whatever happens after the API responds, that's up to the developer to think of how they want to handle that uh, data now. Perhaps they want to, for example, um, we minimize to an extent uh, data collection on our side. So for example, in the current alpha uh, version of causality, there's no data collection whatsoever. It's actually quite fascinating. Everything works through uh, deep link signatures. Interesting. And um, yeah, so so if whoever is using the API on their side, they want to catalog, for example, which NFC tags are being used in which ways and are connected to which accounts, they can go ahead and do so. And then that's all um, something that you'll sign off on with their terms of service. You understand? So that you don't have to double up and say, oh, wait, but causality is also handling this sensitive information. No, we leave it up to the, uh, the API users to do outside of the system. So you're really specializing at the highest level, just technically allowing these transactions to take place, allowing this ownership to take place, and then you're leaving it up to the developer, the company, the individual, Whatever dynamics you have within that, it's up to you and, and your relationship with your consumers. Exactly right. Um, connections, not transactions. But yes, that's exactly right. Hit the nail on the head. And, you know, we continue to produce and launch interesting features and interesting mechanisms that will continue to bring a lot of network effect and a lot of extra value to whoever decides to use causality as a platform, as a middleware. But yes, there is an extent beyond which we leave things to the client side to handle, for example, sensitive information, or just how they want, you know, to process um, 
that connection on their end. Yeah. So they can take their objects into any digital world. Any because like when we talk about the metaverse, I think this is something that people get kind of confused on. Is I think they always assume there's one metaverse, but really it's a series of digital worlds. It can you're bouncing all across different uh, platforms. You know, right? Yeah. Well, the uh, <laughs> the metaverse thing are. is uh, <laughs> the metaverse thing is uh it it has been it is and it continues to be um a hot button issue that's why i mentioned earlier i i had like this caveat i said metaverse with a capital m right yeah because you really have to distinguish when you're talking about the metaverse which is like this overarching um technical experiential human concept right kind of like the internet with a capital i um or if you're talking about like metaverses plural which are basically you know usually like game platforms or virtual worlds um, etc. So yes, we do have to distinguish um, between those uh, for the time being. But yeah, I think what you're talking about is probably like interoperability. Absolutely. That is exactly it. Interoperability. Yeah. So in terms of interoperability, not many people know this, but even now, um, a lot of the interoperability doesn't happen automatically. Um, even when, for example, two games or two worlds are using the same blockchain. So let's rewind an extra, right? Like uh, move back an extra two steps and just explain something. One of the main values, um, at least I feel this way, and I think that there are many schools of thought that agree with me, are that um, the one of the main values that blockchain brings to the table for the gaming industry is to act as like a universal standard, right? It's one standard if you're using the same chain, of course, right? Or some sort of bridge or something. But the idea is that it's kind of like one network that all of the games are using and therefore um, many people think uh, oftentimes incorrectly that that implies that everything is automatically interoperable. Now what's interoperable is the actual token itself, which is kind of like this batch of code uh, on the blockchain, if you want to think about it that way. But the content within it actually varies dramatically between world to world and like what the standards are, right? So for example, um, for whoever is listening and is familiar with game design a little bit, the first thing they'll tell you about is like polygon count, right? right. You have a, <laughs> an avatar or some sort of object or something, it'll look one way in one world and completely different in another, right? In one world, you'll have like this photorealistic, like, you know, uh, soccer ball or suitcase or something like that. And the other, you'll have like a block. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, like like a pong block um, uh, from the original game. Um, that's you know that's that's what we're talking about now. The reason that's important to um, to interoperability is because this present illusion of interoperability is actually a matter of agreement between platforms. So when they come to an agreement, then they work out on the technical level how a certain asset will function correctly between. Uh, their worlds or between their forum of companies or forms of platforms or something like that. The same way that they do that, causality can essentially be used, right? So you can uh, have your business partners or something, whoever you're collaborating with, um, decide that when causality recognizes something in a certain way, then platform A will respond XYZ and platform B will also respond XYZ. But that still depends on the agreement between the um, the two companies for the time being. The only thing that is uh, that remains uh, a shared concrete reality, much like on the blockchain, is the NFC tag itself, right? That remains, shall we call it, immutable in the mm. physical space. 
And that's how two separate platforms can know that they're detecting the same exact thing and decide to respond to it the exact same way or in different ways, depending on how they want to play off their partnership. Um, something that I want to jump into a little bit, what are the industries you see embracing causality? First, I think we obviously see gaming, but where else do you see mass adoption beginning? So, yeah, I think the, I mean, let's, we can get the easy ones out of the way. Um, like the, the go-tos are, uh, on the physical side fashion, um, and collectibles and toys, right? These are things that not only is it easy to put NFC tags in, but like without any effort on our side, uh, we just, you know, predicted things very well. It's just happening. I don't know if you noticed fashion how many... Fashion is huge. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fashion tag everywhere. and NFC tags everywhere. And, and why shouldn't it be? It's like so... It's such a textbook use case for something like this, right? To, to add an extra digital element to your clothes, regardless of how you choose to do it. But there's no reason not to, you know, you just stitch an NFC tag into some clothes and, you know, and, and you've opened up a whole new world of experience for whoever's wearing it that now you can gamify, you could add extra value to, right? You can do all sorts of, um, all sorts of interesting things with. So yeah, so fashion toys, obviously, right? Classic, like it's been done in the past, but I think also merch, right? So merch includes fashion and toys already, but think about any kind of merch and so many companies. What company doesn't have merch when you think about it, especially in the tech industry? I think there's a meme yeah. somewhere that I saw that like, you know, after founders raise, like the first thing that they do is <laughs> they blow like 90% of it on like merch for a conference or something, <laughs> you know, it's like, but before you hire your, you know, your, your first C-level executive, it's like you made hats. <laughs> that is hilarious. I feel like there is like a really heavy, you're right. There's like a psychological thing where everyone wants to have merch like out yeah, of the gate. Because, yeah, because they, you know, I, I guess in a sense, and, and speaking as a founder now, even though we haven't done that, but um, you know, you you want to see your your logo on stuff. It makes things feel like you know alive, and you want other people to wear it. And um, that's understandable, if not uh, entirely economically sound. No, that's um, an important point you're making, though, because I I do think that we as we move to more and more digital we're not going to want to forget our physical world. I mean, we exactly. want to be able to live between the two. And you're right. Like when you see a hat with a logo on it or a shirt or a little mug or something, it just gives you a certain sense of tactile uh, physicality that you just can't duplicate, no matter how good the virtual experience is. Yeah. And you know, it's important to touch upon what you just said. You just said something extremely uh, important. So this thing about us desiring and demanding more digital more digital content, more digital goods, more digital experiences does not mean that we're going to demand less physical stuff, right? I don't know what it is about like, you know, there have been these, um, uh, these, these, these groups who have been so become so uh, such maximalists about digital everything, including hmm. digital clothes, like, there's a lot going on with like digital fashion and stuff like that. And, and I'm into it, and I'm a part of it. And but like, are we in the emperor's new clothes here? Like, does this mean we're all going to start walking around naked, just wearing digital items that will right. never, ever happen? Not in our lifetimes anyway, and our lifetimes are plenty. So, um, so yeah, so, so that's really why it's important to emphasize the, the border and the connection between these two worlds, because digital will continue to grow um, very much so. But our physical world is still around, right? It's not going anywhere. Um, we're still going to continue to experience it and enjoy it um, and, and live in it. Uh, and that's very, very important. So we need to tie these two things um, together. 
Well, you almost see like a very, and maybe this isn't a great example, but you kind of see that embodiment of digital and physical when you go to the mall. You know, when, when Amazon and when online shopping has e-commerce has become such a dominant way to buy products efficiently, you still find that, you know, the downtowns and the shopping centers, they haven't gone away. People still want to go and physically feel their objects or, you know, dress up and wear something nice. There's a social component to physical ownership. And there is a different maybe social component to digital ownership, but it, it doesn't have to operate in separate silos. It's not either or. You see that convergence. And so uh, I think what you're envisioning is a future, no matter how much more we progress, whether we're all wearing uh, AR glasses everywhere we go or whatever it is, we're still going to want to uh, probably leave our house once in a while, I think, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so anyway. Uh, digital reality. <laughs> maybe not, yeah. <laughs> Are, are maybe maybe I'll be proven wrong. Who knows? It'll be like in that movie uh, Surrogates. You ever seen that yeah. with uh, no, Bruce Willis? I'll have to check that out. <laughs> You'll have a good laugh after this conversation. Interesting. You can go look that up, but it's exactly that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, um, yeah, like our 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 digital realities are meant to live in harmony with our physical reality, not for one to replace the other. And something I really love about your product, and I think it's it's so important too, there's actually a, a sort of an eco-friendly component here. Because when we look at the physical side, uh, look, let's be honest, we're a consumerist society and we buy a lot and then we throw away a lot. But if you have some corresponding digital value, it changes the dynamic a bit. Perhaps you save an object, perhaps you resell an object, perhaps you, you you're not so apt to just toss it away, right? Yeah, well, I'll say something that uh, I don't know if it'll be controversial or not, but um, I imagine that in the manufacturing industry, that uh, eco-friendly approach is actually uh, not so desirable, right? Because they want to produce more so that people buy more because that's how they make money. However, I think that's pretty known. Yeah, when you, when you buy some yeah, furniture well, and it collapses you know, within if, a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the planned obsolescence, right? If, yeah. if, 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 if we have to you know, hit it on the nose, then why not? But... Um, you know, there there may be new opportunities to be had here. For example, if um, these companies, if these organizations can find out ways to uh, to benefit from, let's say, secondary market sales of physical items, then yes, that might be extremely desirable. So just to be clear about the eco-friendly approach, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it does incentivize you to keep a specific item um, long term. Uh, when you know that not only does it have digital value, but that when you don't know what future digital value it might have, right? That's actually the, uh, the interesting part. That's the speculative part of it. It's like, you know what it does for you now, but you're thinking like, what might it still do for me in the future? What cool new things will come out for this physical uh, whatever this physical. Uh, We're all going to turn into these major hoarders in the end. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. The, you won't the, be able the, to throw anything the, away. Uh, no. No, but on a on a serious note, it it actually encourages better production of products as well, right? I mean, if you create something that doesn't have a throwaway value, maybe you don't just rush it through an assembly line and then you get this sort of plasticky thing that's falling apart on you. You actually kind of move back to an era of of you know craftsmanship and things, right? Um, yeah, that's part of it. But also, I think that on the consumer side, right, it might you might get more enjoyment out of it. That alone is worth its weight in gold, I think, to certain brands and certain manufacturers and companies, right? It's how much do you enjoy this product? Because enjoying it is the reason that you buy it in the first place. Maybe that warrants a premium then, right? If you enjoy it so much and it continues to give you enjoyment in various forms of uh, digital utility and or functionality. 
who knows what will happen, right? We really are, in a certain sense, I hope I'm saying this in a positive way, opening up Pandora's box. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, it's an exciting and a brave new world out there when, um, when you can connect any physical thing, right, to any digital world. And that's the part, really, that we didn't talk about yet. It's that who's going to use this on the digital side? So think about the creator economy today, what it's turned into, specifically the digital creation economy. I mean, you have so many people who are just like, basically any generation that was born 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I mean, they're born into such a technological aptitude, you know, mm. that digital creation is just by the time somebody's like 15, right? So many people, I, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, I, I can't pinpoint any uh, specific projects, but like you have brilliant creations and things made by really by teenagers these days. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Looking at people when they see uh, causality for the first time, what's that moment like when they first kind of get it, if you will, when they first see the potential, the aha moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, uh, when the penny drops. So, um, well, what's it like for them or what's it like for me? <laughs> what's it like for them? Although I am curious to hear what it's like for you, but I'm, I'm especially curious what it's like for them. For me, it's like a huge sign of relief, right? So for them, <laughs> uh, listen, it's, it's a mouthful to explain causality, right? Like we've been talking about it for almost an hour already and we could keep going. Um, but experiencing causality takes two seconds and that's all you need. And when I see somebody and I try to explain it to them, right, over like a long call, and then I just show it to them, or they have like um, an NFC tagged physical item around, which many people do, you'd be surprised. Um, and they experience it and they try it out. It's wild to just see somebody go, you know, they get this smirk and then they're just like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And then usually what I have, you know, the response I get afterwards is my head is spinning with ideas. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're looking for because all of the solutions that are gonna come out uh, of using causality will not mostly derive from the causality team, right? It depends on all of these digital creators. That's where I was going with this uh, before. All of these brilliant you know, uh, youngsters or even just you know, everybody, anybody who's interested in digital creation can now tap into physical objects their own physical objects, their business partners, physical objects, um, you know, their communities, physical objects, you could crowdsource utility, you could build stuff together, you can make one off solutions. Um, it's really, it's exciting to see what's gonna what's gonna come out of this and what this ecosystem that we're trying to build is going to look like even just 12 months from now. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. it's, uh, as they say, developers, developers, developers. Right. So uh, it's, uh, it's sort of you're building the, the platform and people can see what happens. Not unlike when, you know, just totally separate field somewhat, but when someone builds an iPad, when the iPad was built by Apple, people looked at it and then the uh, the creatives got in and started showing us all these new use cases. So you're you're laying the foundation and then we'll see where all kinds of creative people get to unleash their own uh, concepts uh, for uh, for what this can be. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the iPad, but the uh, the 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 go-to anecdote that I usually choose is uh, more like a uh, Bluetooth. So I remember when Bluetooth, um, not when it came out, because Bluetooth is actually a very similar story to NFC. It was around for a while, but it only really like hit that turning point in the early 2000s, around like 2002, 2003, 2004. And I remember when they started putting Bluetooth in phones and nobody knew what the hell to do with it because there were no peripherals for it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> 
I, you keep was, hearing was, about it. It's like, why is this a benefit? Yeah, yeah. it's like it was yeah. all about the future proofing, right? But then that inspired companies to play around with this and and other people, you know, to create these, you know, devices and the interactions and everything. And and, and yeah, and, and now can you even imagine a world without Bluetooth? Can you imagine a computer? And most cars have Bluetooth these days. You know what I mean? That's wild. Everything has Bluetooth these days, and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to you know find any kind of uh, headphones or anything that wouldn't. You know, the wired headphone is kind of a rare thing anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the NFC trajectory, if you ask me. Let me ask you about your role in all this, because you're sort of, in my mind, you're like an ambassador of this next generation in, in terms of technology, in terms of NFC technology, in terms of fidgetals. Uh, what's, what's that process like? And what are the important points that you try to remind people of when, when they're looking at this industry and considering whether it's uh, you know, something worthwhile for their company or something to envision? I think, well, I mean, first of all, you know, my role specifically does involve a lot of uh, thought leadership. So we write a lot of content, we publish a lot of articles that, you know, describes the, the world that is and the world that can be. And that's uh, purposely intended to inspire um, not only, you know, novel readers, but also, you know, companies and people who want to um, uh, consider this uh, on, the, on the business level and the operational level. I think that I would suggest that somebody who hears about this should just like look into it just like do the numbers for a second see if it makes sense and also i would encourage again um to test or to at least uh do a cost analysis of that um you know that that feasibility or that desirability to see you know how much the cost really would be here to digitally future-proof your physical items because if you can, and it's not going to cost that much, or let's say uh, it costs, you know, to a certain extent that, you know, you're willing to uh, bet on this horse, if you will, I would say do it because, you know, you never know what other people can then build for it. And the way that they'll build for it digitally is using causality. That's fantastic. And yeah. so as we sort of wrap up, you had mentioned uh, portals as as an upcoming development. Any other major, if not, you know, causality developments or trends that you're seeing uh, kind of down the pipeline? Um, the trends continue to be the same positive ones that we've seen so far of, um, you know, uh, manufacturers and brands from big to small, right? Uh, Web3 specific and also very mainstream putting NFC tags in their stuff. And that's just beautiful to see because, you know, nobody asks us about that. They just go ahead and do it, which means we're in the right place, right? At the right time. <laughs> No, it's, um, it's like exactly perfect for you. And then they're not even <laughs> collaborating yes. yet. So it's just yeah. all right. The environment is right there. for Exactly. Picking. Every time yeah. a project does something like that, especially when it's a big company, like, I don't know, uh, um, Hugo Boss recently released a line of, um, of caps, baseball caps with NFC tags in them. Uh, each one of those, that's another community of end users that could either build something using causality or use something that was built with causality. Um, and that's objects, just happening on its own. Are there any objects that where it's difficult to put an NFC tag in? It seems like it, it's quite a wide range, though. Yeah, I mean, technically speaking, you could put an NFC tag in almost anything. But there are considerations to be made, right? So first of all, it has to be rather close to the surface. You can't um, scan an NFC tag through, like, two inches of plated steel. It's just not going to work, <laughs> you know? Um, and also, you don't want it to uh, to fall out if that's the main source of value, right? Or 
um, or have too much friction or something like that. So for example, I think it's very difficult to put it in like socks. Um, not sure why you put it in the socks in the first place, but in continuation of the spirit of what we're talking about, it doesn't matter, right? There might um, be a way, yeah. 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 Like you could stitch it in there, but um, it just might be uh, a little problematic. And also you have to think about, if you want to call it the user experience on the physical side, right? What's it going to feel like for somebody, you know, with an NFC rolling around? Um, in their sock. I actually think that it wouldn't be so bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a good consideration though, because I think a lot of industries uh, and, and companies may be thinking, okay, where could we deploy this first? And that it's good to kind of think of, okay, maybe this isn't the best place to start. And then other areas are more efficient. Obviously it, it does seem in the general sense, higher end fashion and things like that are just absolutely perfect or merch like we were saying. So. Yeah. Usually, I'd say you 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 sew it either into something like the tag or something like that, which is usually like part of the source of value for many you know branded goods, right? Uh, the tag is where the name is, and that's where uh, a you're lot just of talking the value... tag on the back basically. You can just sew it right in there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or you know, a lot of you know uh, projects experimenting with this um, sew it into like its own little patch on the side. Um, if it's something that's more uh, rigid, for example, a figurine, a collectible, all sorts of merch of other kinds, then uh, usually there's like uh, a little spot where they put the tag and then they put some like uh, silicon or, you know, plastic or something over it. That's also totally fine. Um, but yeah, there are many different ways to play around with it. it just so you sort to be of, you're to able to protect That's it a funny. little bit, I guess, right? You have a yeah, layer yeah. of extra Even protection. like on a card or something, just laminate it. Just, you know, don't give people an excuse to uh, to to rip it out somehow or something like that. Just put it, you know, somewhere where um, if they try to remove it, then it would be damaging to the object and then they'd be ruining the value of the physical object, which would defy the point because the physical has its own value, right? And its digital utility has its own value, but together, that's what makes it special. It's a great consideration. So um, I guess as we, you know, sort of uh, finish up, where uh, where can people learn more about causality uh where can they get started what do you recommend uh, there's obviously a lot to digest uh obviously causality.xyz but uh, anything else you recommend um and any final takeaways on... too i just want to get a final takeaway from you as well sorry sure 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 um so uh so yeah so hit us up on our website causality.xyz we've also got an active twitter page and a linkedin page um you can also if you have any NFC tag physical goods, you can download the Causality mobile app, which is available um, on both App Store and Google Play. Um, try it out. Uh, if you're looking for a Causality experience to try it out with, you can find those also um, on, our, on our website. Um, I do encourage any developers who are listening in on the podcast to apply for early access as well. Uh, it's free. It's nearly um, unlimited within reason. And yeah, we're looking for people to try it out and, you know, build cool, interesting, unique, weird stuff using our middleware. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Eli, thanks so much for joining. Awesome conversation and a really Thank amazing you. work you're doing over there. Really appreciate you having me, man. Thank you.